Welcome, Team Encore. We've got an exciting guest here today, Cindy Miller. From the back nine of major championships to the meeting rooms of major corporations, Cindy Miller is a leading expert at taking another shot, a former LPGA tour player who currently competes on the official Legends Tour of the LPGA. She has been named a top 50 teacher in the world by the LPGA and Golf Digest, number one teacher um, as well in the past. Um, certified behavioral, motivational, emotional intelligence professional. She's a sought after speaker, coach, and corporate trainer. She inspires and challenges individuals, teams, and corporations to unlock potential and improve performance. To own it, your business, your sport, your life. Welcome to the show, Cindy. How you doing? Great. How are you, Steve? Great, great. Doing well here in, in my apartment in Buffalo. And, and where are you calling in from? Silver Creek, about 30 miles down the road. Very nice. Very nice. Western New York. Well, thank you for joining us. Curious how you got into the game, how old you were, who brought you into it. Can you give us a little backstory on that? My parents played golf and they were members at Wanaka. And then uh, we were members at Tri-County when they moved to Silver Creek. And for a time we were members at both places and the pool was my babysitter. So I was dumped at the pool all weekend. And, uh, and then I got fat in eighth grade. <laughs> and all the cute boys in the pool started to call me 10 ton Tessie. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm not going in the pool anymore. And my only other option was the golf course. I didn't really like golf. I thought it was stupid. Yeah. And sometimes I still think it's stupid, but, um, I started to take golf lessons and I was actually pretty good at it. And my mom and her friends took me to an LPGA tour event at River Oaks Country Club in Grand Island, New York when I was 17. And when I saw Laura Ball, who was a year older than me, and Betty Burfight and Kathy Whitworth and Mickey Wright, and I heard the ball and the club crack, I was immediately hooked. And I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be a pro on the LPGA tour. The only catch was I wasn't good enough. So my whole life, I have been told you're not good enough. And I told my dad I wanted to be uh, a pro and I was going to play on the tour. And he said, okay, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, uh, I don't know. I need to find a college that I could play golf at. And I'm a little bit of a brat. And I graduated from high school a year early because I didn't like high school. We had moved away from Silver Creek and moved into West to Blaisdell. And I didn't like the big city, right? And so I was going to go to Fredonia. And I said, well, I don't want to go to Fredonia. I want to go someplace else. And he said, well, it's June and you're going to Fredonia in August. So you're going to Fredonia. Well, I made a plan. And of course, there was no internet then. And I thought, okay. I have to find a place that has a college that has a golf team for women. So I wrote to the Ben Hogan company because I played their golf club. So I figured they would care about me and to golf digest magazine. And I asked them if they had a list of schools that had women's golf teams and they actually wrote back and there was a small list, but the one that stood out the most was the U. And again, if you're from Buffalo, where do you want to go? The University of Miami, Suntan U. Sure. So I wrote to them and I, and I said, you know, my name is Cindy. I'm from Silver Creek, New York, and I really want to play on your golf team. 
what do I have to do? What kind of handicap? What's the worst person on your team? And they said, the worst person on our team has a five handicap. And mine at the time was 14. So I wrote back again, again, this is snail mail. So good thing I went to Fredonia first semester because none of this would have happened on time. And um, they said, well, you're welcome to come down here and try, but you'll probably never play. And that's what they shouldn't have said. So I went to Fredonia first semester. I was gonna major in psychology because I was gonna fix my family and myself and I got a D in psychology. I thought, well, this is stupid. So I got a job in downtown Buffalo at the Board of Elections. So here I am, 17 years old, driving downtown Buffalo, working in this office. And the whole time I'm planning on, I'm gonna be a walk-on at the University of Miami. Well, I never visited the school. I fell in love with the pictures and the brochure. And we had a family friend who was a captain for Eastern Airlines and they happened to live in Coral Gables and had a cottage at Hanford Bay. So he said, don't worry, we'll dump her off at her dorm in, in, the, in the fall. So they did. And my parents never took me. I never visited the school. I got dumped at my dorm. My father said, you've got one year to earn a scholarship or you have to come home. We can't afford this place. So I got a coach and I practiced and then I practiced some more and then I practiced some more. And then I graduated the number one player on that team and we went back to back national championships and I was voted team captain and all American my senior year. Wow. So that's how it started. My God. <laughs> so you were division one there, I presume. Well, it was NAIA at the time. It's okay. Division One now, but again, yeah. it was not a big deal. But we we beat Lopez and Tulsa for national, and then University of Florida. That's I mean that's pretty amazing because I I know when when I was playing college golf at NYU, we were we were Division Three, but you know we'd go down to Florida in the winter and, and play in a few tournaments here and there, and the teams the teams in Florida were just light years ahead of us. I mean, yeah. They're, at this yeah. time, everybody that was on our team, in fact, we had t-shirts made, the Miami no names, stroke it better. Because <laughs> we had Kathy Morse from Oak Hill and Rochester, Mary Lawrence from St. Lawrence, New York, her sister, Kathy Lawrence, Sarah Levesque from Illinois. I mean, we were all from the North. And, and I think, I'm not sure, but I, I know that we had a team that really wanted to work hard and there was, you know, burn the ships. We're not going back. Yeah. Well, that, that's an amazing story. And I'm wondering now at this point in your life, when you teach and you work with juniors, um, do you, do you have any ideas for how we can get more youth involved in golf and more, more women represented? You know, I have to tell the rest of this story real short because when I graduated from Miami, I, I won the New York State Amateur that summer at Tuyujica Country Club and I tried to qualify for the tour and I didn't make it. Again, you're not good enough. Yep. And then I got in the car and I drove to California by myself to play on the mini tour from that fall all through the next year. And then I qualified for the tour on my second attempt. And I played on tour for three years, but of the best in the world, I was one of the worst. 
So, you know, you look up, and my maiden name was Kessler. If you look up Kessler, you know, I'm, I've made, you know, 30 cuts in my life, which is more than a lot of people make. But of the best in the world, I was the worst. I lost my card after three seasons. So here I'm thinking, you know, I wish I was good enough, but I'm just, I'm not. So then I marry Alan Miller, who played on the PGA Tour for 15 years, played in the Masters five times, three times as an amateur. And no offense, when I asked him to marry me, I was thinking about getting free lessons for life, right? <laughs> so I always had that thing in the back of my head, you know, you're good, but you're not good enough. You're good, but you're not good enough. And, and 25 years after I played on tour, I found out there was a Legends Tour for former tour players basically a place for old people to compete for money. And I picked up the phone and I called and I said, hey, I, I, can I play? And they said, well, you're not good enough. So I said, well, what do I have to do? Well, you have to qualify. Okay, where do I go? So when I was 48, I applied to be on the big break, right? Which is gonna air on Monday. Um, why? I didn't need an exemption on a tour event. I needed to prove to myself that if I had to hit a shot over water with thousands of people watching me to win a tournament, I wouldn't choke my guts out and puke, right? <laughs> so I've always been driven control freak trying to get better. So the, the question was, how do we get more people involved? I believe that the game of golf mirrors life. I don't think anybody would argue with that. And I believe that most people that try golf have had a bad experience at once or twice. Yep. So my mission, cause I had a bad experience and every time I would take a lesson, all I would hear is everything I was doing wrong. And I'm a little bit of a brat, I told you that. And sometimes I just wanted to turn and say, I'm not trying to mess this up. Show me how to do it right. And, and so nobody ever did that till I met Alan, who, you know, when I, when I met him, I met him at Doral and a mutual friend whose nickname was Dirtbag, who I met in the Rat Skeller at Miami, right, on a Friday night. Um, I saw how smooth he swung the club and I was like, whoa, I wish I could swing like that, but I'm, I'm not like that. You know, he's Mr. Chill, Quiet, Shy. So the point was, Alan showed me, he helped me that day on the driving range during a PGA Tour event at Doral. And, and he said, here's how you need to fix that. And I was like, wow. So I think from our pain of being told everything you're doing wrong, our mission is to help you learn to do it right. Because I've never met anyone who tried to miss it on purpose. Have you? Right? Nobody's trying to screw this up. So when someone comes to me, depending on their age, number one, I want them to have fun because I'm TPI certified and they surveyed a bunch of kids in San Diego, you know, on some big, huge survey and nobody wanted to play golf after school because it wasn't fun. So my mission is to help you have fun. Now you're going to miss it. Golf is mental torture. We all know that. But if you understand why the ball doesn't go up, you can fix it. So the committee of they, which the committee of they drive me nuts, right? You locked up, you're bending your arm, you're doing that. It's like, shut up. I'm not trying to screw this up. So my mission is to help you understand why the ball doesn't go up and how to fix it. 
So I want people to have fun. We teach a lot of kids. We teach a lot of women. We teach a lot of business people. Again, I've taught people anywhere from three to 89. So if anybody's 90, you get free lessons. 90 and above gets free lessons. So I just, I hate negative people who tell everybody what they do wrong. Well, that's, that's great advice. And, and my next question was going to be for, for the golfers at home. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they're looking to get out there and improve their games. Maybe they're, they're new to golf. Um, you know, it sounds like having a positive mindset and, and having fun with it are two great tips right off the bat. Any, anything else you can offer them to maybe um, start the season off right if they're just, just starting to get out there? Um, anything they should be thinking about and working on? You know, it's, it's funny. I want them to stop and reflect and listen to the voice in their head. And I, and I want to tell them that it's okay to take a half swing and use a tee in the middle of the fairway. So I would challenge them to go play nine holes from a hundred yards in and see if they can shoot 36. So we've started this program called Operation 36. We're going to do it starting in June. And they believe that you start at 25 yards away and you have to shoot 36. Then you go to 50 yards and you go to hundred, then you go to 150. And we did that at boot camp this year. And, and people were amazed. You know, some people shot 27. Uh, Chelsea D'Antonio was with us. She shot 24, right? So what Alan said then is if you assume that you hit a drive off the tee that you had this far in, add nine shots to what you shot. So if you shot 36, you could shoot 45 for nine holes. And most people don't break 100. So I think they need to stop and listen to the negative voices in their head that are condemning and criticizing them and just go, why am I out here? I just want to hit it straight. You know, I need to hit my driver further. Well, maybe you need to hit your driver straighter. So that's what I would say. I, yes, a positive mindset, but stop beating yourself up. Great advice. And I think, you know, I played one of my first rounds um, the other day at Harvest Hill. And it was, you know, I was frustrated with some of the shots I was hitting and just, um, but I had to, I had to just calibrate and, and say, look, you're just, you're just getting into your season. You're not going to come out swinging like, yeah. like a pro and, and you're going to hit some awful shots and just, just enjoy being out here, um, you know, and, and progress as the season moves forward. So good, good advice there. Um, jump into more of the personal. Can you, can you, Tell viewers something they, they may be surprised to learn about you. I went blind when I was nine. Wow. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, again, remember the pool being the babysitter. I dove into the shallow end of the pool trying to get a quarter. Again, competitive control freak. And I hit my head on the bottom of the pool and I got out and I was dizzy, you know, but I was fine. And then um, I, all of a sudden I started not being able to see. 
And every day it got worse until I couldn't see anything. And my parents took me to our family doctor and I couldn't read the big E on the wall. And he said, I think you need to take her to Children's Hospital. And of course, I didn't want to do that. And I was nine. I thought, well, I'm a big girl now. And I remember being put in a crib because they were afraid I would fall out of bed because I couldn't see. And they had to do all these tests on me, took a couple spinal taps. They had no idea what happened. And my dad was an entrepreneur and owned a lot of businesses and he was always taking business trips. And, and he came back from a trip one day and he was sitting on you know, a chair by the crib and all, and all of a sudden I said, did you get a new tie? I could, all of a sudden it came back. So I was in the hospital for three weeks. They did all these tests. They had no idea what happened. So I need to be very grateful that I can see. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Jeez. <laughs> and they just, just think naturally it just your, your brain, your, your sight kind of nerves no. rewired or. Who knows? Wow. I don't, but I'm grateful. Um, in terms of, the, the LPGA players out there um, competing and, and even when you were competing, um, what would you say sets them apart from say amateur golfers who are trying to make it out there? What is, what is the special sauce that they possess? Here's what I would say. And I have a good friend named Christina Kim. And when you, when the, when golf comes back, I want you to watch her because what I would say to you and to all of the listeners is when you decide that you want to get better, again, I help people who want to get better, get better. I don't like whiners. I don't like complainers. I don't like people who want to talk about getting better and do nothing about it. If you want to get better, I can help you get better. And, and so there's three things. I've got this thing called the it box. In fact, I'll show you. There's three things in the box. First thing in the box is a nail. How bad does it have to hurt to be willing to change? So when I decided I wanted to play on the Legends Tour, um, I had to stop and say, do I really want to prove that the dream that I had when I was 17 years old to play on the LPGA Tour wasn't going to be a nightmare that would haunt me the rest of my life, right? The second thing in the box is a mirror. So if you're going to get better, you have to know why. So I, I have to stop this nightmare or I want to shoot, I want to break a hundred or I got to stop shanking it. So we either, we're motivated by two things. We either want to stop pain or we're seeking reward, right? So once you know what that is, and for me, it was like, I have to stop this nightmare. I have to be good enough. So the second thing in the box is a mirror. You have to be willing to look in the mirror. Who am I? I'm a competitive control freak. Do I make clear decisions? No, I want to go for things. Then I bury it in the bunker. Then I make double. Then I get pissed off. Then I blame Alan, right? So, and one of the things, I must tell you, one of the things that I did, I was trying to qualify for a tour event. Remember I told you I had to go qualify. I had driven to Evansville, Indiana, and uh, all by myself. I think it was 10 or 11 hours. I tried to qualify for a Legends Tour event, and I missed by one. It's always by one, by the way, just, just to rub it in. And so I was driving home and I was crying on the phone and I was whining to Alan, you know, da, 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 da. and he said to me, this has absolutely nothing to do with your golf swing. 
This has everything to do with your head. And if you choose to fix your head, you can get better. So I had to be willing to look in the mirror. Was he telling me the truth? Yes, he was telling me the truth. Why? Because I just wanted to win so bad, but I wasn't focused on what I was doing. And guess what? Guess who's holding the club? It's me. So look in the mirror and fix that. And the third thing in this it box is a seed. So if you choose to pursue it, whatever it might be, you have to do something about it. So you have to plant a seed. So when I did the big break, I didn't do the big break because I wanted to be on TV. I did the big break because I needed to learn how not to choke, right? So there was an end result and a, and a return on investment. So that was the seed that I planted. I also played a bunch of mini tour events and I'd walk up to the first tee and these young chicky poos would say, is your daughter playing? I'm like, no, it's me, right? And by the end of the time, we were friends. So I, I, I have to end this uh, and I'll f answer your question in a minute, but I just, I, I preach about this because it's such a big deal to me. So you need to know that after that big break show was over, the first tournament back on the Legends Tour was the High V Classic in Des Moines, Iowa. Now I had had to qualify every year for three or four years for that event. And there happened to be an old man named Jim Mitchell who's still alive, who's like 85 years old and I love him. He's like my little angel guy. And Alan didn't go with me. I would fly out, try to qualify, qualify. Alan would drive out and caddy for me, right? He didn't want to fly out if I didn't make it. So this, this year, after I got done with the big break and I finished third on the big break and everybody liked me and I didn't choke my guts out and um, I got an exemption into the High V Classic. And so I, I, we both went out because he was gonna caddy because I was in. And the first round, I teed off first. So you need to know when you suck and you're a token field filler, you always tee off first. So I played with my good friend, Kitty Robine. Kitty shoots 68, I shoot 71. We had a blast. We finished in like two and a half, three hours, right? With her husband's caddy and my husband's caddy. So the that night we had a meeting with all the legends tour. We had Joanne Carner, Jane Blaylock, you know, all these Hall of Famers, Hall of Stacey, blah, blah, blah. And I raised my hand and I said, hey, are we ever gonna make it so that so many on the money list are exempt for the next year? And a member of the Legends Tour stands up and she said, Cindy, our sponsors want famous people in our tournaments. And I was like, whoa. And Blaylock gets up and she goes, what the hell are you talking about? She's more famous than you are. She was just on that TV show. Everybody loves her. So you need to know that I went home that night and I typically can move from pursuing to protecting and pr protect was out of the picture. I was pursuing, I was so pissed. I tee off the next day and I get paired with somebody who's messing with me. And again, I'm like a golden retriever, you know? Hi, how are you? Let's hit the ball, a good shot, good shot. Well, this girl starts messing with me on the fourth hole about a putt. So she's away, it's a long story. She's away, she wants me to putt first because she's gonna stand in my line. And Alan's like, no, you're away, you putt first. I'm like, stop. I'll putt first. I make the putt for birdie. She misses the putt for par. I'm walking to the next tee and I'm like, you know good, you know what. You're messing with me. I can't believe you're messing with me. So now I'm more pissed. I end up birdieing the 17th hole. I walk to the 18th tee, tied for the lead, having to hit a shot over water. 
with thousands of people watching me. The same scenario that went through my mind a year before when I applied to be on the big break. I hit that shot on the green. I two putted for par. And my good friend Kitty, who shot 68 the first day, ended up birdie in 17 and she won by one. But guess what? I made $33,500. I finished second on the money list that year. I was exempt for the next year. And the bigger thing was I proved to myself that the dream that I had when I was 17 years old to be a star on the LPGA tour wasn't a nightmare that was going to haunt me the rest of my life. So what are LPGA tour players or anybody that gets good at golf willing to do? Anybody. I don't care if you play on tour, our own son, right? If you really want to get better, you have to know, why am I doing this? Get off the nail, stop whining. You have to be willing to look in the mirror. How, how much are you willing to look in the mirror? Are you, are you willing to expose all the elephants? And then you have to plant a seed and do something about it. The reason I tell you to watch out for Christina Kim is because she's probably lost 30 or 40 pounds. She's running seven miles a day. So you don't see all that, right? You don't see the fact that I was trying to play and, and Futures tour events, Symmetra tour event. You're old. You're 48 years old. What are you doing playing with 20-year-olds? I don't care. I applied to be on a show with 24-year-olds. Why? Because I have to prove to myself that the dream I had wasn't a nightmare. So what are they willing to do? They're willing to do all three of those things so they can own it. Well, incredible story and certainly certainly motivating for myself and, and other listeners who who have, have demons and, and past struggles that, that they still replay. And, and, you know, seeing your experience and your tenacity and how, how you used um, almost like the chip on your shoulder to, to really fire you up and motivate you, I think is something we can all learn from. I know, I know we're coming up on a deadline here with, with some things you need to get to. So I, I think that, that was a phenomenal way to end it. And, and I just really appreciate, you know, you, you coming on our show again, top 50 instructor um, winner, you know, teacher of the year award winner. Uh, incredible having you. Where, where can our listeners find, find you? CindyMillerGolf.com. And side note, we're starting a free golf community. It's going to be up by Sunday night. So CindyMillerGolf.com, click on golf community. Feel free to join the golf community and give me some encore stuff and we'll, we'll give out free prizes. I would love you got that. it. We will hook you up with some encore balls. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, honey. Have a great day. All right. Day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks.